Well, over 30 years ago, um, my beginning into church ministry was in music. Some of you were there. <laughs> um, many of you were not. And so I thought on this final Foundation Sunday with all of you, I would, um, along with Abby, sing a couple of the songs that have meant most to me over the years and to some of you as you've requested them. And so if you'll uh, afford us a few moments during this service, we'd like to do that, really to commemorate um, all of you for your wonderful loving and prayerful support of this work for the last 10 years. We're grateful. Thank you.
our God above all the earth. Thou art exalted far above all gods. For Thou, O Lord, art high above all the Thou art exalted far above all gods, and we exalt thee, we exalt thee, we exalt
thank you for letting me have a few moments with you this morning. Um, to be honest, I've always been more comfortable there than here. But the Lord has been faithful. Amen? Amen. God be praised. I just want to share a couple of thoughts just kind of from my heart this morning about the authority of transition. This comes from Matthew 28. And this is a familiar passage, and we won't be here long, I promise. Jesus um, ministered so powerfully and compellingly with words and with his deeds and the way he interacted with people, not only those that he loved and cared so deeply about, but those who um, looked so consistently uh, in disapproving ways of him and his Ministry, but yet he finished his time with a powerful, powerful vision, a challenge to those that he would transition his ministry to, which are his disciples. And I love this passage because, in so many ways, it brings us back to center. Dr. Sweeting, who was the president of the Moody Bible Institute when I was a student there, this goes way back to the early 80s. That doesn't seem way back to a lot of you, but to me it was, it's quite a ways back. 
And um, Dr. Sweeting used to say, the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. I like that. It kind of landed with me. And this is the main thing coming from Matthew chapter 28. This is after the resurrection. Verse 6 of Matthew 28, uh, Matthew says, uh, the scripture says, He is not here, for he is risen. This is the angel talking to the women who had come to the tomb as he said, Come, see the place where the Lord lay, and go quickly. Tell his disciples, see that's that's the group that was in view here. Tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead, and behold, he goes before you into Galilee. Everything changed as a result of the resurrection. Jesus Christ is alive. He's alive in power. He's alive in his word, in his spirit. Jesus Christ is alive. We're here today commemorating our time together because Christ is alive. It's a risen Savior. We're thankful for that. And we speak of Him. We sing of Him. We serve Him. Many have laid down their lives for Him because He is alive and He goes before us. Therefore, you shall see Him because I have told you. And they departed quickly from the sepulcher with fear and great joy. Isn't that nice? Appreciate the mix of emotions. Doesn't that feel like our live experience? They left that place with fear. (laughs) Anybody can can anybody relate to that? Just a sense of anxiety, uh, uh, uncertainty. Right? No matter what is before us in our lives, our futures. Um, But then there's also a sense of of a rising joy, something that lifts us above our experience, and that also comes as a result of this resurrection, this great, life-changing, history-changing event. They were filled with both fear and joy and did run to bring his disciples the word. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, all hail, hello, basically. And they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. Isn't that wonderful? Here is the first time in all of the Gospels where the disciples fall down in wonder and worship of the Savior after the resurrection. It's, an, it's a fitting, appropriate response. And then they said to Jesus, uh, then Jesus said to them, don't be afraid. He sensed what was in their hearts. Go, tell my brethren that they, they go into Galilee and there they also shall see me. Now when they were going, behold, some of the watch came into the city and showed unto the chief priests all the things that were done. So there was a a dispatch of the group that, that went to the religious establishment and kind of told the tale that he was alive. And when they were assembled with the elders and had taken counsel, they gave much money unto the soldiers. So they bribed them. And they gave them a script. Say this, his disciples came by night and stole him away while he slept. Isn't that great? What a contrast in response. Worship and deception in response to the risen Savior. First is a heart of confidence and faith and wonder and worship. With a mix of emotions, yes, fear and joyfulness as they worship the Savior. They Suddenly they realize the culmination of all that God had accomplished in Christ. And then over here, the, 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 this group over here just doing exactly what they'd always been. Well, they're just going to they're they're make up a story because they don't want this to get out. 
So they're going to miss. They're going to miss this whole opportunity. Then the eleven disciples went away into the Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed him, appointed them. And when they saw him, again, they worshipped him, but some were doubting. And Jesus came and he spoke unto them this. Listen, all authority is given unto me in heaven and on earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. What a magnificent vision, this transfer of authority and ministry from himself now to these 11 men who will take the gospel to the far ends of the earth, and he says, the authority of ministry is me, Jesus Christ. The authority for for serving God, the authority for the church, the authority for the gospel is in Christ Jesus himself. Jesus says all authority, both in heaven, that's for eternal things, and on earth, the temporal, the things that we can see and feel and touch and accomplish here on this planet, all authority, Jesus says, is given to me. Jesus Christ is is the authority for all work and ministry in his name. Some say authority comes from credentials, from training. Others from degrees or experience, knowledge, maybe power or impressiveness. Some, some, Some say authority comes from just living long enough. You know, if, you, if you've lived long enough and you've got gray enough hair, well, then you've got a little bit of authority. Jesus says... The authority of the gospel is in me. Jesus Christ is the authority for the church. Listen, this is powerful. This is a powerful thought because we don't demand, we do not demand effectiveness in ministry. It is not even earned. The Bible teaches us that ministry effectiveness is conferred upon us by Jesus Christ himself. He gives us the authority to speak his name, to accomplish his purposes in people's lives. Hold your finger there and let's go over to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Love this passage as well. Again, just like the songs, these are some of my favorite passages that have helped me and encouraged me along the way in in this work. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. This is the Apostle Paul talking about this aspect of ministry and ministry authority. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1. Do we begin again to commend ourselves, or need we, as some others, epistles of commendation to you or letters of commendation from you? You are our epistle, written in our hearts, known and read of all men. You see that the effectiveness of ministry is demonstrated in the lives of those who are impacted by it. For as much as you are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ ministered by us, written with ink, not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God. Isn't that wonderful? Not in tables of stone, but in fleshly tables of the heart. How wonderful is that? You see, that's what demonstrates the effectiveness, the authority of ministry when life change occurs in the believer's heart. It's not in a resume. It's not in a document. It's not in some kind of established protocol. Uh, the, 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 
The credibility of ministry, says the Apostle Paul, and says Jesus, comes from the authority of Christ, and it is established and evidence in the hearts of those who are served. You are the epistle. You are what is written, not in ink, but by the Spirit of God. How about that? Can you say in your heart that the Lord has changed your life by His Spirit? And by the ministry of the gospel, of course you can. That is evidence of the authority of Christ in your life. The authority of his word, the authority of his spirit in your life. You see, that's what establishes the work. Now also over in Acts chapter 3, if you look at that, Acts chapter 3, just a little further over in the New Testament. I love this scene. Here are Peter and John, and now they are commissioned and have been filled with the Holy Spirit. This is after Pentecost. And here they are at the work. Jesus has ascended to the Father. But he has said, All authority on heaven, in heaven and on earth has been given unto me, therefore go. And so here Peter and John are going. They're going up together to, into the temple at the hour of prayer. They're in Jerusalem, being the ninth hour. Now watch this. A certain man, lame from his birth, was carried whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. So here's a man uh, with a, uh, a, a chronic uh, physical need. He's crippled. He cannot walk. Since birth, he's been unable to walk. Perhaps it's cerebral palsy or something of that nature, a devastating physical illness. And so he was carried from the, from, from the moment he was able to be laid by this, the, the gate of the temple called Beautiful. Now, this is what I call an opportunity for ministry. What an opportunity. Here is an individual with an enormous physical need, but behind all of that is an even greater spiritual need. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given unto me, therefore go and do this work. Now watch what happens. Here are Peter and John. They're they're making their way to the temple for, for prayer. Who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked them for alms. He asked them for money. And Peter fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, look on us. Now, can I ask you a question? Does that remind you of anyone? Here is this poor, broken person at the gate of the temple. He asks Peter for money, and the scripture says, Luke tells us that Peter fixed his eyes on this man and encouraged him, actually commanded him, Look at us. Who does that sound like? Doesn't that sound like Jesus? I mean, how many times in the the Gospels do we see Jesus in the same opportunity for ministry, this encounter, and he stops and he focuses on an individual and he says, look at me, look at me. Now there's an opportunity for the authority of Christ to be experienced in someone's life. That is the essence of ministry. 
The authority of Christ in my life, in your life, in your marriage, in your ministry, in your family, in your children's lives. What an opportunity. That's what gives the work effectiveness. You are the epistles of Christ. You are the resume. You you are the vita that, that is on display in terms of the effectiveness of the power of God and his gospel. Now here's an opportunity. And look what he says. Look, look at me. And he he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I I don't have. I, I, I don't have any money to give you. But such as I have, I give thee. What did he have? What did Peter have? He had the authority of Christ to minister to this man. And so he says, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and he lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping. And here's the best part of all, praising God. A man who from birth had never been able to enter into the temple, had never experienced what it felt like to walk on his own two legs, is now not only walking, he's leaping, he's dancing, and with his own lips, he has a relationship with God the Father. He's praising him in the temple. He's worshiping him. Now that's the authority of Christ. That's the work. That's the ministry. We don't have anything to give anyone but the authority, the power, the resources of heaven that are wrapped up in Christ, in his gospel. And in times of transition, we need to remember that, that the authority for this work comes from heaven. It comes from Christ himself. Everything has been given to him. And we can, with boldness, step into our ministry futures with confidence that there is power, there is healing, there is goodness, there is resurrection power in the ministry of the gospel. Now let's go back to Matthew chapter 28 and I want you to see not only the, the authority of transition but the mission of transition. Look what Jesus says. He says, all authority is given unto me in heaven and in earth. So both eternally, eternal things, By the way, there's a lot going on in heaven right now, most of which we know nothing of. There's a few things in Scripture that give us some insight into what um, our loved ones and those who have gone before us are experiencing, but we know little of it. Eye has not seen nor ears heard what the Father has in store for those who love Him. We really don't know, okay? But you need to know, Jesus Christ is in charge of it all. He's over all of it. How about that? Jesus Christ, because he says, all authority in heaven and on earth is given to me. To me. All authority. Did you see the article? Uh, pretty sad article, but I had to, I had to grin about it. Um, um, the flyby of Pluto is bad news for God. Did you hear about that? And now they've discovered this new kind of earth-like planet. And then the, the byline was more bad news for God. I'm thinking, are you out of your minds? That's good news for God. 
right? He hung the, the ferment, put the heavens in place. He knows them all by name. That's what scripture says. He's just watching us, you know, take nine years to get there, you know? And that's pretty cool. That's pretty fast for humanoids. But, you know, God's already there. David says, where can I go from your, when your presence? Can I reach into the farthest reaches of the heavens? You are there. Bad news for God. <laughs> anyway, that's a little aside. That was free, by the way. The mission of transition. Because of the authority given to us by Christ, we can go. The mission is the world. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. Isn't that wonderful? baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. We do not have to shrink back. We do not have to kind of pause or be deferring or feel presumptuous in our desire to take this gospel across the planet to every people group, every tribe, every tongue, every cultural persuasion. We, we should not shrink back, but we should go with boldness because that is the mission that Christ has given to us along with the authority of His name is to take the gospel to the world, to every nation, to all nations. And not just proclaim it, but deliver it. He says, teach it. Dasco is the word. That is the idea of laboring um, fervently and compellingly on behalf of those who are hearing it for the first time, that they'll receive it and believe it, and then baptizing them, which is a confirming work in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. It, it seals it. The mission is teaching and baptizing, evangelization of the whole world. I'm so thankful that God has been gracious to us right here in this community and allowing this ministry to open up its doors across these, these, these roads and, and, and these lanes right into this neighborhood in Terrytown and North and all across Camp Jericho. We've been overrun by children right here in this community. To God be the glory. I'm so thankful. But we also have partners all over the world serving on behalf of Christ and this ministry, proclaiming the gospel, and they are delivering the good news of the word of God and baptizing new believers in his name. So thankful. Andy and J.C. Johnson in Germany. They have, or they're in Italy, I'm sorry. They, are, they have struggled so long now just to learn the language, and they're still in the press uh, kind of the crucible of learning that language. And so we need to be fervent and bold in our prayers on behalf of Andy and JC because they so want to learn a town. But do you know they have already baptized new believers, new Italian believers? How wonderful is that, you see? They're teaching them and they're baptizing them in his name because Christ has given us the authority and we should not shrink back. We should not feel presumptuous. This is our mission to proclaim the gospel to the nations. And we need to be bold in it. We need to be fervent in it in delivering up our very finest and our very best of this next generation to do it. Listen, we have a group of young people who are planning to go with Pastor Brett to Berlin, Germany um, in just a, a little over a month or so. We need to get on board. We need to get on board and send those young people to Germany, okay? They're trusting God for his provision. We need to be part of that because that is the mission 
there are going to be unbelievers who are going to come under the hearing of the word of God as a result of these individuals leaving First Baptist Church of North Terre Haute to go and proclaim that message. Praise his glorious name. That, that is the mission that Christ himself has given to us. I love the parables, the parable of the lost coin. <laughs> she lost a coin, right? We're packing at our home, and we're finding things. <laughs> it's like, oh, Jonathan the other day, he said, Dad, and I was excited too. He found my watch. Dad, look what I found. We both are like, woohoo! It was so awesome because we found that watch. Is it a valuable watch? No, not even for a second. It's worth nothing except that it was worth something to me because we found it and it had been lost for a long time. And guess what? It was still ticking. It was a great moment for John. I thought of these parables, the lost coin. She cleaned the whole house three or four times just to find one coin. Well, she had a, she had a handful of them over here. What, what's the big deal? But she was looking for the one that was lost. Same thing with the lost sheep. Remember, he left the 90 of 90. He had 99 sheep. Well, what's the big deal? You lose one. Why go out there into the wild? Why risk you know, getting injured or, or maybe even leaving these sheep in peril just to, because the, the one, there, there's one sheep that's lost. The parable of the lost son. Well, you've got to, you've got to and in fact, this son was presumptuous. He insulted you. Why would you expend such energy? Because that's the mission. Every single individual matters. And nothing else matters until they're found. That's the mission. Go, therefore, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey. But let's teach them to be devout and devoted in their allegiance to Christ. Observe all things. Whatsoever I have commanded you. That means we need, to, we need to expend an enormous amount of our own personal resources and energy in order to be so involved in people's lives that they're learning from us what it looks like to follow Christ. Teaching them to obey. This is what it looks like to pray. This is what it looks like to make godly decisions. This is what it looks like to, to stand down and to sacrifice self in order that someone else's needs are met. It, it's laboring there. Teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. I love that. That's the mission of transition. The authority of transition is Christ himself. Praise his name. He's given us the authority to cause people to stand up, to be healed, to be delivered from the shame of their past, to find their marriages, to be rebuilt in the power of his name, to have their lives transformed. We have that authority in Christ. We also have a clear command that we are under, and that is to go, go to every tribe, every tongue, every nation, and proclaim his name baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Finally, I love this. There's a promise. There's a promise in transition. 
And he ends where he started. The promise, Jesus says, is me. I will never leave you or forsake you. (laughs) How great is that? It's the power of his personal presence. The authority is me. The mission is me. The promise, me. Me. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will never let you down, even to the end, to the very end of the age, the end of time as we know it. I will not leave your side. (laughs) I'm, I'm not going anywhere. Um... One of the things we've been talking about, Charlie Dyer and I, um, when we've been going around talking to people about Islam and some of our brothers and sisters in Christ that are serving in harm's way around the world, is how we can pray for these believers. And we need to pray with boldness. We need to pray that the Lord will open the hearts of unbelievers to the ministry of the gospel as these who are imprisoned and in chains around the world because they've encountered this radical branch of Islam and and now they're in chains and they're being tortured and abused but they're still with, we need to pray that the Lord gives them boldness and that the Lord opens unbelievers' hearts to the ministry of the gospel. Did you know that there are actual Guards of these pastors, these individuals that have been captured by terrorists that have secretly come to faith in Jesus Christ because of the witness of these men. Now that's cool. And I really believe it's because believers like you are praying boldly. Give them boldness and open the hearts of unbelievers. There's another way we can pray, and this comes right out of uh, Paul's final letter to Timothy. He's talking about kind of his final days. I love uh, this passage. He talks about um, kind of being spent um, kind of at at the end of his time. Just listen to these words. He says, do your diligence to come shortly to me. He's talking to Timothy. Demas, he's gone, he's forsaken me, having loved this present world, and he's departed unto Thessalonica. Cretans, he's gone, he's in Galatia. Titus, he went to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. God bless Luke. Take Mark and bring him with you. He's profitable to me for the ministry. I love that. Don't you want that to be your epitaph at the end of the days? That was a profitable partner in the work. Bring Mark because he was a profitable partner. I love that. And Tychicus, I've sent to Ephesus. Don't forget my coat. I left it at Troas. I think Paul was a little scatterbrained. He left his coat, Troas, with Carpus. When you come, bring the books and the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith. Now, this is another epitaph. This is possible, by the way. 
He was in the church, Alexander. Um, He did me much harm. Don't, Don't let that be said of you. Don't let that be your epitaph. Here it is, written in the eternal canon of Scripture for eternity. That's, that's the word. That's the final word on Alexander. He did me much harm. How sad is that? Now watch this. At my first defense, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. I pray to God that it may not be laid to their charge, notwithstanding, watch this, verse 17, the Lord himself stood by my side, that by me the preaching might be fully known and that all the Gentiles might hear, and I was delivered out of the lion's mouth. Jesus said, I will be with you. He, he really meant that literally. Paul experienced it. At a moment, his weakest, darkest, most loneliest hour, Jesus fulfilled the promise of transition and he showed up by Paul's side and he stood with him. Everyone else was gone and there stood the Lord Jesus himself. Man, I love that. How faithful he is especially in times of uncertainty in transition getting ready for Camp Jericho and I read again some of the Joshua narratives we were there last year in Joshua this year we're in Exodus chapter 20 the kids are learning and loving the Ten Commandments pretty good. They're they're number seven. They've got seven done, which is great. That'll be in their hearts. I read back over Joshua chapter five. Joshua had taken the mantle of ministry from Moses. It would transfer to him that wonderful passage at the beginning of Joshua. Here they all are outside Jericho. The people are down in the valley, you know, they're just having a party. I mean, they're singing, and yeah, that's what the that's what the Hebrews did, man. They just danced. <laughs> you know, they were just the tambourines. It was just, it was just great. It was a party. Where was Joshua? Well, he was up on the hill. He had Jericho on his brain. That's what, that's what leaders do. They got the party's going on down here, and the leaders are looking at the next deal. So you need to pray for your, your ministry leaders, those who are serving you. Pray for them because while we're all singing and celebrating and having carry-ins, they're, they're, they're thinking about the next deal. You know, pray for them. And there's Joshua. He's all alone up on that hill. At least he thought. You know what the scripture says? It's Joshua chapter 5. Joshua looked up. I think he was in prayer. He looks up and there's a man standing there with his sword down. <laughs> Joshua was not alone. He was not alone. Felt alone. Felt the weight of that responsibility. But he was not alone. There stood 
a man with his sword drawn. He was not alone. So Joshua said, his training kicked in. (laughs) Are you a friend or foe? Good question. Are you with me or are you against me? (laughs) That's a really good question. You know what the man said? He didn't answer him. He said, I am the captain of the hosts of the armies of heaven. Second thing Joshua learned, he was second in command. (laughs) He wasn't alone, and he was second in command. We can't forget that. This is not my work. This is not your work. This work belongs to Christ. We are second in command. My home is not my home. My wife is not my wife. My family is not my family. It belongs to him. I am second in command. Joshua was not alone, and he was second in command. And the next thing Joshua heard was, take your shoes off. This is holy ground. Don't mess around with this, Joshua. This is holy ground. Do whatever it takes to think rightly about who you are in comparison to who I am. And then you'll be ready. The Lord is faithful. He has given us his authority. He has given us a clear mission. And he has promised us his personal and powerful presence. We can trust him. Let's pray. Lord God, I needed to hear that story again. (coughs) Thank you for your word. So powerful. Thank you for this congregation. Thank you for this service. I pray, Father, that you will Be gracious and faithful in the days and weeks ahead that these will grow even more deeply in love with you and in your word and with a compelling desire to proclaim your name to the ends of the earth. We ask it through Christ, our Savior and our Commander.
Amen. Let's stand.